Hello everyone and welcome to STG's Blockchain and Sports Podcast. On our first episode, Claire sits down with Gary Boddington to see how he got his start in the industry. We hope you enjoy this episode of The Gauge. On our first episode, we will be speaking with Sport Technology Group's very own co-founder and CEO, Gary Boddington. We will take a look into the blockchain industry, how it is impacting the sports industry, and ways STG is using it to solve pain points that sports leagues, clubs, and athletes are facing. Gary has been working in the blockchain sector for five years now and has seen it incorporated by major oil corporations and Visa. Now he is bringing it to the sports industry. Welcome, Gary. Thanks, Claire. Pleasure to be here. All right, let's get started. So can you tell us a bit about about yourself? Kind of life story, where did you grow up? How did you get involved in sports? And a bit of background on your career. Um, Sure. So I originally was born in Cape Town in South Africa. Grew up largely in South Africa, initially in Johannesburg, and then went to Durban, went to university in Durban, and met my wife and had our kids there. Uh, and got involved in sports. I played two sports actually. I played field hockey, uh, a lot of field hockey in South Africa, which is quite a big sport down there, not so much in Canada. Um, and I actually played ice hockey as well. So got involved. A lot of people don't think that there's ice hockey in Canada. I mean, in South <laughs> Africa. Um, so uh, played a lot of sport. Uh, ultimately, at a played both sports at an international level. Uh, at for field hockey, I ended up at the Olympic Games in in 1996 in uh, Atlanta, and subsequently retired from the game and uh, was very fortunate after that to get involved with a couple of really good friends uh, and we chose to get involved in the technology sector and so got involved in the technology sector we built out a a couple of different uh, or we built out a business intelligence company which we took global over a period of it took us 12 years to make that an overnight success um, which ultimately brought me to Canada and uh, I landed in Vancouver roughly eight years ago and now I'm a Vancouver citizen, a Canadian citizen, and involved in the technology and the blockchain sector in Vancouver. There you go. Um, Can you tell us a bit about that first company that you started with uh, your teammates from the South Africa field hockey team? Like, what was kind of that journey like um, starting a company in the first place? You were pretty young, and what was kind of that entrepreneur life like? Yeah, that's actually a good question. I, I, I think the one thing that's a common thread throughout my life has been sport and uh, everything I'd, I've done um, in business has, has kind of had a sports theme or thread running through it for for the last couple of decades as well. And, and that, uh, I was very fortunate that my roommate at the Atlanta Olympic Games uh, was also my training mate and we trained together for many years. And um, and at the conclusion of the Olympic Games, anybody that's been at an event like that knows the kind of high that you're on and you, you've been, you just you enjoy the opening ceremony, you enjoy the competition and competing against your peers globally um, at an international level. And then, and then you have the closing ceremony at the end of the Games. It was, um, uh, we'd actually worked very hard as, as, as a partnership. We trained together and we were, we were roommates all the way through. And we both retired at the end of those Games. And we said, well, at some point we should get together and kind of redo the walking into the Olympic, um, uh, the Olympic arena, the whole process of the opening ceremony. How do you do that if you now are retired and you're not going to compete in a sports sense anymore? So we said, uh, let's try and do that in a, in a business sense, and that's how we started. So we, we fortunately, we uh, kind of shared the common values, common work ethic, um, and we applied all of our thinking, our team values to to that business, and and we were lucky it worked for us. 
Great. And do you want to give a shout out? Who has who is this teammate business partner? Uh, it's a guy called Charles Tevisham um, in South Africa. But I'd be remiss not to mention Daryl Smith as well, who was uh, our technical guru that joined us at the co-founder at the time as well. Perfect. Uh, and can you tell the story, just because I love it so much, about your first email? And we'll kind of use that to jump into how you got started in the tech industry. So we know your background is in sport, but kind of how this first email story connects to your start in tech. Yeah, it's actually amazing how it connects all the way to, to the blockchain world, actually, uh, because I often draw the similarity of where the internet was back in 1996 is where the blockchain industry is now, the, uh, you know, the adoption and, and people trying to understand what it is and where it's going to go. So the story of 1996 is, uh, as a South African athlete um, at the Atlanta Games, um, there was a, obviously the um, Athletes' Village, and for the first time ever, uh, I got access to an email system, which, which at the time, I can't remember which sponsor it, it was, but they, they'd set up a whole bunch of machines for all the athletes to be able to email back to their home countries. And in that time, there weren't many people in South Africa that even had an email address. But I kind of walked into the athlete's village. You've obviously got downtime, and between kind of walking around and, and enjoying the other benefits of the Olympic village, I walked into this computer center and... There were all these monitors lined up and they said you could email your home nation. And so I fortunately, I can't remember who it was exactly, but I, I did know someone in South Africa that had an email address. So I jumped on this thing and I put my name in and, and sent an email off. And next thing I got an email back and that also put a bunch of supporters around in South Africa. So I got emails from all sorts of people in South Africa to say, you know, good luck for competition and all of that type of thing. And that was Very cool. my first ever experience of, of an email back then. There you go. Um, and so how, how does that kind of connect to you being involved in blockchain technology today? How did you first get attracted to blockchain and, you know, it's, it hasn't been around that long. What, what made you jump on so early and when did you get your start? Uh, so I think the connection, the connection to 1996 was more just that I, that experience and, and subsequently after those games retiring from competitive sport, um, I then realized that I wanted to get involved in the technology sector. My, my co-founders were, had done computer science, I'd never done computer science. I was, uh, um, I, I'm kind of subsequently always been more involved in the business end of, of uh, product management and go-to-market strategies and that type of, uh, the, the more customer-facing side of technology. But I, I think what when I then got involved in, in the blockchain communi community and in the blockchain industry, I, I can't you can't help but see the analogies to what's going on now versus what was happening there. So in those days, it was very much a case of people were saying, "Well, don't touch, uh, don't touch the internet, or don't touch that because it's mostly used by people that want to distribute porn." And nowadays, everybody's saying, well, don't touch cryptocurrency because it's only used by drug runners. And, and the, both of those assumptions are so completely wrong. And at the time, using the internet, we didn't know that either. Um, and and at, you know, so where we are now, compared to where we are then, there's, there's huge analogies to the way this is going to unfold as well. And we don't know what blockchain is still going to bring us in the next 5, 10 or 15 years. Yeah, exactly. So aside a it being a platform for drug runners, what, what is blockchain? How, how do you understand it? How can it impact businesses? Can you give us you know, a descript your best description of what it is? I try to avoid technical descriptions. Yeah, uh, we like it. We uh, like it. Because it's, uh, <clears throat> unless you're a really technical person and you need to understand how the technology stack is going to be 
um, uh, is going to impact a business or your technology strategy, then uh, say for, I say for business people, it doesn't really matter. It's like the internet. So if I ask, if I ask people now, if you send an email to somebody else, do you really understand how that works? Or if you if you browse um, to book a hotel room or to book uh, a, a flight or whatever you're booking online, do you really understand what's going on be, behind the scenes? And from my perspective, um, that's where we are now. Everybody's still grappling to understand the technical details behind how a blockchain works. Uh, and there are obviously layers that we don't really want to discuss now. And frankly, I'm not, I'm not tech, I don't have the technical ability to, just, to, to define the technical issues. But from my perspective, there's just a brand new layer of, uh, of the internet um, that just adds this element of, of trust and, and the, abili the ability to uh, exchange assets seamlessly and, and trustlessly and uh, just interact. You, there's an ability to interact with information has always been there. And now you have the, the ability to interact and transfer value as well uh, in a way that can be trusted. And that has enormous impact depending and then the impact thereof depends on um, uh, on the sector that you work in and uh, whether it's financial service or energy or sports like we are doing. Um, it really ultimately becomes a case of it's not about the technology. It's it, more and more the deeper we go into the space, the more I feel it's it's, it's about the use case. Um, it's not about the technology, just like with the internet. It's not about the internet. It's about what is the use case or the pain point you're solving and exactly the same way with blockchain technology and smart contracts and everything else that comes with it. Um, it's The technology is useless unless you're solving a pain point. And there's no point in trying to adopt the, te the technology if you don't understand the, point, the pain point that it's solving for you. No, that's exactly it. It's I find it super interesting how, you know, we both work in the blockchain industry, yet if you ask either of us to give you a technical definition of blockchain, we won't be able to give it to you. And it's not because we don't care or we don't, you know, want to learn. It's that you don't actually need to know what it is. You don't need to know the underlying coding and development and all of that. You just need to know how how it solves the pain point. Um, so that but a, a lot of that also comes from I, it's not like I haven't been involved in doing that so on a couple of speaking engagements and when I try and educate people on it we, I, in the early days I used to put slides up and you could talk about the different protocol layers and you talk about uh, consensus layers and and within a very short space of time the majority of the room is glazed over so there's no point in even trying that and actually it's when you know when, when you use an application now pick an application that you use on your phone when you try and describe the value to you, you don't say, well, this uses a very cool database underneath us. You know, that people don't talk about it like that. And, yeah. and in the same way, we're not going to talk about, well, I use this uh, application and it's got a really cool blockchain database or you know, right. shared ledger. Or, nobody's going to talk about yeah. that. But there seems to be a bit of a disconnect in the industry because people seem to be fixated on how it works. And then the industry tries to explain it to them, but it's too technical. So kind of the general public needs to get over being fixated on what exactly it is and just needs to get past that hurdle and you know understand its its true value and how it provides value to their lives. And so. the difficulty with that is also that a lot of people still when they hear blockchain they 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 don't actually understand blockchain they just hear bitcoin or they hear cryptocurrency. So, so the education layer is actually more about uh, it's a huge educational challenge, particularly in the sports sector, but it happens in every sector and for Main Street to adopt. You know, most people yet, so far, I'd say probably 99.9% .9 of, of the 7.7 .7 billion people on the planet 
probably still don't understand the difference between Bitcoin and blockchain. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. So it is a big educational challenge. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it's right in our name, Sports Technology Group. Why, why do you think sports and blockchain go together? What, what links the two? I think it's based on, on, um, on the experience that I had. So I was very fortunate to get involved um, very early on. Um, for a person of my age, most of my contemporaries um, think that I'm dealing in drug runners' money. <laughs> um, but but I, I got involved very early on. And one of the things that really attracted me um, is as, as, a, as a South African that, would, that moves, if, if I want to move um, any of it, if I liquidate an asset that I have in South Africa and I move money out of South Africa into Canada, for example, everybody knows the process of remitting money across borders is an absolute nightmare. And it can take days and you get uh, clipped a whole bunch of points by the commercial banks and it's just a very messy clunky process um, and when I first saw a blockchain and a lot of people in the early days jumped onto the remittance challenge which has obviously now been addressed by many players um, I just I, I found that instantly attractive that you can move money across borders around the world um, so seamlessly that's not to say obviously that that you want to disregard any regulations obviously I'm in def very definitely in the camp that you want to be uh, very compliant with all the regulations of the particular jurisdiction you're working in but it just the fact that the technology exists to move funds and value around so seamlessly is was really exciting and then kind of fast forward a couple of um, years and i i got involved in canada's first listed blockchain company and and we we were working on projects there which were really kind of pioneering and 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 uh, really opened my mind to the opportunity of blockchain technology so we did a an interbank settlement project with six big European banks uh, and took the process of of moving moving money which normally takes three days down to kind of split seconds um, and then we did an energy sector project where we were we did a project to do um, uh, an asset trading platform that allowed you to um, trade commodities natural gas as a commodity very easily and very simply and the pain point there was 90% of of the, the trades or transactions were mismatched. Uh, and the solution that, that, that came about there was um, was effectively we rendered the, we, we rendered the concept of reconciliation as obsolete, which I know now for us, we kind of understand that and, and believe that. But for a lot of people, if you say that to them, you think that's crazy. I mean, you're not gonna, how are you possibly gonna do away with reconciliation? But that's it. That's a fact that happens. Um, and then, yeah, I just got to a place where, uh, where are the opportunities? So financial services sector, there's a lot of people in that space. Energy sector, there's a lot of people in that space. Uh, and in those years, we spoke to healthcare, insurance, retail, shipping, supply chain, you, know, you name it, we spoke to sectors. But it got me to a point in my life and an opportunity in my life where I had uh, knowledge and skills of the sector which were more advanced just because I've been in it for longer not because I'm smarter than anybody else just I've kind of seen the projects um, and uh, and it allowed me to combine my passion again going back full circle to sports so I, I honestly believe that the sports sector in general the esports sector everything about these sectors is, is going to be transformed in just the way all the other sectors are being transformed but uh, it's going to take time. But that's where Sports Technology Group came from. For sure. Um, how have you seen blockchain being implemented in the sports industry thus far? Obviously, we're trying to get involved. But how have you seen it previously or present day being in 
incorporated? Um, variously, I, I, I think there's uh, there's different people trying different things. There's um, obviously what we do in more blockchain related. There's people doing um, kind of tokenization of athletes. There's people doing crowd crowdfunding um, around blockchain solutions for athletes. Uh, there's people doing uh, supply chain solutions um, in Formula One. Um, I, I mean, there's, there's. I think it's like all all the sectors is the early adopters in the sports sector are starting to realize the value that's coming and the transformative potential of the of the of the opportunity, and people are really exploring the use cases now. And which goes back to the point we made earlier: is that unless you have a use case, blockchains are not a silver bullet solution for every organization. So I think a lot of a lot of people have tried some um, early ideas uh, and a lot, but I think a lot of organizations are actually starting to work out, starting to play with the use cases and trying to understand where it's going to fit in. Mm-hmm. I think one of the very interesting ones is um, there's a couple of organizations that have popped up now which are, are looking to uh, kind of VC funds um, which are aimed at investing in sports-related technology, but they're also crypto-based or um, they, they're using kind of the ICO format. Uh, to raise money as a VC to invest in sports technology. So I, I, I think as as the bit, price of Bitcoin might come up again or as the sector matures and as Main Street comes to it, all of that influence is going to wash across the sports sector and, and everything will mature in this space as well. It's just, it's just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Um, so we've alluded to it a bit, but can you elaborate on what STG is doing to bring blockchain technology into the sports industry? Yeah, so we, we are focusing on the uh, the relationship between the uh, a franchise and the athlete and uh, and a sports agent. So um, I think our, our bigger picture perspective is that all of the stakeholders. If you think of any of the ecosystems that exist in any of the sectors you can work in, if it's financial services, there's, there's banks and auditors and lawyers and regulators and everybody's in that ecosystem. And if you think of the energy sector, there's there's traders and there's um, there's regulators and there's all sorts of people in that uh, in those sectors as well. In the sports sector, it's much the same. So you've got you've got players, athletes, and agents, and then you've got immigration services. You've got you've got auditors. You've got sponsors. You've got um, um, medical services. Uh, all, all sorts of different role players and service providers in the industry. And what we're trying to do is. Um, is really focus, and, and I and I believe a lot of those relationships will be will be transformed as well in the way they interact, the, the, the way they currently interact, and the way they will interact will be completely different. Um, but the challenge for us is obviously you can't change that all overnight, so we've got to focus on one particular area, and we focus specifically on on that that relationship between an athlete, an agent, and and a franchise um, or a union. Um, and the reason we do that is because we believe that that's kind of the foundational core of the commerce that takes place in that in that network in that ecosystem, and everything one way or another flows into or out of that relationship. So we've built a prototype that really, um, to use an analogy, it takes sports organisations and the relationship between player, agent, and athlete away from fax machines and PDF documents and Excel spreadsheets. Uh, onto a modern mobile first uh, kind of blockchain enabled environment so it's kind of moving it's almost if you think the analogy we try and use in sports organizations you think moving blockbusters to netflix we take in sports organizations from fax machines paperwork and and putting all those business processes that are currently all over the place into one very tightly held application 
which then is driven by uh, a shared ledger. For sure. Um, and just, you know, we touched on education a bit earlier, but how, you know, how does the sports industry fall on that kind of education on blockchain? You know, is, are you finding and speaking to people, is it further ahead than most industries? Is it lagging a bit behind? Where does the sports industry as a whole or in general stand on, on that education piece? I would say, as a as a as a sweeping generalization, typically the sports industry are laggards when it comes to technology. They they are technophobes, not prone to adopting technology, um, and and slower than everybody else. And I think part of that is the economic drivers in in sport are different to, for example, financial services sector. So in the financial services sector, this whole movement came about because of the banking collapse in '08 and the, the subsequent to the release of, of Bitcoin and the um, kind of distributed uh, decentralized environments that became available, banks realized what was going on and they had to respond um, because they genuinely, they were, they were risk of disintermediation. The sports world, it's not so much. You know, the, the, there's no risk of disintermediation and it's more, so, so there's no economic driver or there's no urgency to actually adopt new technology. But I also think, so, so I think that's just the reality and, and a, lot of, a lot of the current um, management or leadership are, are not of an age or of an interest to actually pay attention to these new and, and emerging technologies. But I do also think a couple of things are happening in the sector which, is gonna, which will change it for, for the benefit of all of us that are working in the sports sector and, and one being that the, the age of the leadership within organizations is... Um, is on average uh, been, uh, is lower um, over time. And as younger leaders come into the organizations who've grown up with technology and are assuming that these organizations should have technology available or walking in and realizing it's not there, so they starting to influence organizations. They might not necessarily be the decision makers, but they certainly are influential in organizations. So you're starting to see that starting to emerge um, where younger people in organizations are expecting technology to be around. But I think a, a massive influence that's coming, which we are just working out ourselves, actually is is the um, the growth of, of esports and how how that's going to have a massive impact. So, if you look at traditional sports, it kind of rep- tra- traditional sports and traditional sports leadership and the agents and that ecosystem, uh, the average age is probably a lot older than that same ecosystem in the esports world. And in the esports world, you've got a demographic that is is hungry for new technology, is open to new technology, um, is not scared of any of this new technology. It's an API-driven world. There's data points everywhere, um, and they they are accustomed to playing with new technology. So I think I think that is going to be a huge influence on what happens in traditional sports in future as well, particularly around blockchain and cryptocurrency. There's a much stronger likelihood that an esports team or, or athlete or agent will be Will uh, will accept cryptocurrency payments for their for their game for their prize money whatever it is they'll they'll have their own cryptocurrency wallet most likely already, and I think the leagues will be more open to um, to accepting this new technology. And then ultimately, if it all pans out the way we're thinking at the moment, is all those learnings and all the findings and all the new technology that emerges in esports will actually blow back through the traditional sports again. Mm-hmm. So but who knows? That's uh, let's see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Slowly but surely, sports are getting there. We just got to take them to the next level. So that just about wraps up today. But thank you so much, Gary. We really appreciate having you on this month and taking the time to chat with us. 
Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be here. So thanks guys for tuning in to The Gauge and we will catch you next time. Next month on The Gauge, we will be speaking to the co-founders of Fans Unite, a blockchain-powered sports betting platform. We will get insight into their transition into a blockchain company and how it's empowered them to move forward in the industry. Thanks for tuning in and we look forward to seeing you next time.